Welcome to the Readings Podcast. I'm Dave Little, and today we're speaking with Melbourne writer Alice Bishop. Alice's debut book, published recently by Text, is called A Constant Hum, and it deals with the horrific aftermath of a statewide Victorian bushfire. The story is told as 47 short and very short pieces of fiction, which, taken together, detail what one character calls the uncomfortable ordinariness of disaster. This ordinariness is captured mostly with characters lost in reverie, in everyday moments, imagining the small and enormous ways in which their lives and their communities have been irrevocably changed. Though this is a work of fiction, it takes as its touchstone the 2009 Victorian bushfires, which took the lives of 180 people and destroyed over 2,000 homes. Alice joins us today to discuss A Constant Hum. Alice, thank you for joining us. Hi David, thank you so much for having me. Um, to start off with, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what happened in the 2009 Black Saturday bushfires and how they uh, foreground your book. Sure. Um, in 2009, I was uh, 22 and most people will remember um, the weekend of the 7th of February in 2009 as being one of the hottest uh, weekends on record in recorded Australian history. Mm. Um our house was on the ridge that overlooked the Yarra Valley in a place called Christmas Hills and um, it burnt down in the East Kilmore fire of the day. So there were many, many, many fires on the day, but um, two of the really big ones were um, the East Kilmore fire and the, which destroyed King Lake. Mm. Um, and then it came down over our house and then down into a place called Steels Creek, which you might have heard of. Yeah. Um, and the other big fire that was close to kind of where I knew its home was the Murrindindi fire. So that was, um, listeners might associate Black Saturday with Marysville, a place um, which was flattened as well. And, um, you know, in a constant hum, I've really tried to, to get a lot of voices and stories of bushfire and bushfire aftermath. Um, but a lot of the stories are kind of, anchored in my own experience of, of what's now known as Australia's worst recorded natural disaster. Yeah. Um, so having experienced this disaster yourself personally and knowing I assume so many people who did, um, I was just wondering what it is about a kind of fractured multifaceted narrative um, that can tell us more about this day and the mm. strategy than say a biographical account or something like that. Sure. Um, I think... Firstly, I, I love short stories and the way they can give you insights into so many people's different stories of, of you know, different ages and situations and backgrounds. And, um, of course, you've always got to be ethical about the way you tell those stories. Mm. But for me, I wanted to really give more of a voice to women's stories of, uh, after bushfire. I think, um, I think a lot of the time in the mainstream media, it's always um, white men are very much put in the foreground of, of, you know, the, the national narrative of bushfire in this country. And, and I really wanted to kind of show that all these kind of, you know, once something as big as um, Black Saturday or whether it be Fukushima or Katrina or whatever natural disaster or man-made disaster that's happening around the world as we sit here, there's a real ripple effect of, of stories that kind of come out of those events. And I think short stories, um, allow some of those to be captured that might otherwise fall through the cracks. I think I think it's been really lovely to have a few people read A Constant Hum and say they kind of see it as a bit of a 
bit of a broader whole um, as being a bit linked. Um, and, and that's been really nice as well. Hmm. Um, one of those stories uh, that I think actually really, it's, it's called Saltwater, um, comes about halfway through the book, um, that really sort of captures that kind of ripple effect that you yeah. were talking about. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about, about that story, maybe maybe start by reading it a little bit for us now. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so Saltwater is, the book's divided up into three parts. Um, it's kind of tracks the 10-year aftermath. Um, Saltwater is one of the only stories in the collection that's set overseas. So um, I was really lucky to have a brilliant editor, David Winter from Text, who... Uh, we did kind of cut out a few stories that were set um, in California and um, in other places because we we thought it would just work better. Yeah. Um, but Saltwater is based in Melbourne, but the, the main um, character goes on a holiday to New Caledonia. She's a nurse. Um, and she was um, working after Black Saturday. And for me, I really wanted to kind of, again, the kind of untold stories of emergency service workers in um, in the aftermath of big natural disasters. But I'll stop rambling and I'll read Saltwater. So here we go. Saltwater. I never thought I'd be the last minute holiday type or that you'd find me alone drinking duty-free vanilla vodka on a balcony overlooking aquamarine water. Ocean the colour of the faux turquoise jewellery we all used to wear when we were 14. I didn't know about the burns unit blur back then, about septic wounds and fluid resuscitation, about sooty septum checks and nasogastric tubes. I didn't know about respiratory failures or how burning flesh smells in the hospital halls at night. There was a time I hadn't heard about the bushfire roar, the thunder-like rumble that one of my patients talked about in her sleep. She also mumbled about the smoke turning things dark, then the heat. I read that it would have been like a huge kiln door opening. They say that most animals burned where they stood, that the fire came so quickly that all that was left was blackened statues. The article made me think of paddocks, of cows, of fences that held them in. I guess when something like a bushfire is all over the news, worst in history, people like to think they're able to help. Self-care is so important, my good friend May had said, handing me a giant card caked in glitter after it all. A return airfare inside, along with thousands of CFP francs. Friends whose names I'd almost forgotten had signed their distant well wishes. Sarah, Jess, Fatima, Yuri and Dean. Dean Dawson, the first person to ever call me baby. I still wonder if that money should have gone somewhere else. I only got to know the fire through the aftermath, the smell of burnt up skin and better Dean. Thank you. That was Alice Bishop reading from her short story collection, A Constant Hum. The story was salt water and it really captures, I think, the way this tragedy that occurred in Victoria um, picks up in the memories of people and and ripples out. And towards the end of that story, um, the character uh, is overseas and she is having a, a sort of a brief relationship, I think, mm -hmm. with a French guy. Yeah. Um, and it's just interesting to see that um, 
that link between you know this this thing that happened to Victoria and the way that that, that sort of trauma carried out um, in that way was was that kind of rippling effect was that something that you had in mind when you were structuring the book yeah I think for me um, my sensory memory of the event was quite strong for many years after after the bushfires and I I only kind of went back to the house when it was rubble so I never really lived through having to run or flee or for example, in that story, having to live through the experience of being um, or professionally having to deal with the, the fallout. And, you know, I'd be sitting, you know, with my partner and, and you know, the smell of his kind of charred cigarette ends would, would take me straight back to to the hills after after it had all burned. And, and that would be like really unexpected and years later. And yeah. And for me, I kind of... I can't even imagine what some people had to see. Uh, well, I guess I have imagined, but I think that those kind of physical kind of muscle memories are, are ones that I wanted to lace through the book because I think we're such sensory kind of beings and, and sometimes I can imagine that that would be really difficult to relive that trauma years on. Mm. And um, something I wanted to do with The Constant Hum is to kind of show that once the media kind of disappears and community empathy is turned elsewhere, that um, I kind of wanted to open the conversation that sometimes people can struggle um, for many, many years after after the fact. Yeah, yeah, you really get that sense. Um, there's a lot of a lot of repetition of those sensory yeah, of those yeah. sensory things, and and although it's told through different characters, you often get this this the same images and feelings coming up again and again mm. and I thought that, that it was a lot like what it is like for for one person I guess to process or integrate a mm. traumatic event mm. but but really splintered and at a community yeah level. sure thank you yeah um and yeah I just thought that was a really um beautiful way thank you structured um I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the title it takes the title is taken from one of the the stories which is about um, a man who becomes a bit obsessed with the humming of the uh, electrical wires yeah. outside his house. But there's also a hum throughout the book. Um, mm -hmm. One character calls it um, the white noise that follows her everywhere and there's just this motif of, mm -hmm. of this noise in the background for all these different stories. I, could want. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I kind of had the title before I even knew it was going to be a book or a collection or anything I, I kind of I also wrote about the power lines in that story a constant hum because um, the bushfire that burnt down um, all the houses along our road was uh, linked back to um, poorly maintained um, fire uh, sorry um, power lines yeah. um, and there was a big um, class action lawsuit through Morris Blackburn that um, you might have seen on the news yeah. in the years after and for me, it was kind of um, that character's obsession with kind of the power lines and, and the generator and and all these other kind of hums in his life, like the cicadas humming and, and the kind of anxiety was something that I linked back to a lot of stories in the book because um, I guess a constant hum for me too was kind of um, being someone who's been very anxious in my early 20s and mm. a lot of people... Uh, suffer from anxiety and depression and all sorts of things but keep going and I was really interested in 
that kind of constant drone of pressure that some of us are under all the time, especially women. And um, in that sense too, I kind of wanted to to write about the kind of white noise hum after natural disaster and how how, you know, in the aftermath of something that really changes your life and how all your kind of reference points are stripped from you, you kind of feel that kind of buzz sounds positive, but in the in the negative sense, that kind of, of, of displacement and and I, I also say too that I think a constant harm is also a really a reference to the more positive things in in bushfire aftermath. So mm. the energy that um, we've witnessed over the last ten years that of the bush kind of growing back and the birds returning and and the kind of so many um, yeah just just so many people kind of putting their lives back together in any way that they can. It takes a lot of energy and um, so it's kind of a reference reference to that too. so both good and the bad. Yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Um, I was wondering how how much you drew on source material for the book, um, because you referenced yeah. the um, the Royal Commission final report. Is a lot of this based on on those stories? Or? Yeah, yeah, a lot of it is. Um, I became quite obsessed with um, the media coverage of the fires, mm. um, which to me didn't really kind of reflect what what we were experiencing. It was a lot of sensationalism and a lot of um, ashy-faced um, firefighters and that's part of the story, of course, but um, I really wanted to kind of get into, I think someone else um, mentioned the connective tissue of natural disaster. So I wanted, um, you know, more nuanced women's stories, kids' stories, men's stories, and I definitely read the... Um, Royal Commission report for personal reasons, mm. um, just because it was really interesting to see the path of the fire. The fire was burning towards our house for for four hours um, wow. and there was a communication breakdown, which meant that we um, didn't find out. I mean, we found out that our house had burnt down before the authorities had told us, but the authorities told us um, at about 10 a.m. on the Sunday. Mm. Um, and I think you always think in natural disasters and stuff, well, growing up in a pretty privileged country um, in, in certain parts of it, you think that there'll be, you know, police and firefighters and, and emergency yeah. service workers there when things go very wrong. Yeah. Um, but they weren't there for a multitude of reasons. And I kind of, yeah, I kind of drew a lot on on that report to make sense of it myself but also for the many 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 stories of people who were much worse off than us people who've lost mothers and fathers and children and and even stories about the um i think there was twelve thousand um heads of livestock lost and um over two thousand properties ruined and um obviously 180 people um lost their lives or died and I think that when you have those huge figures, um, you need to read a lot to kind of get into just the hugeness of the range of stories that there are of that day. And and um, I kept all the newspapers um, yeah. after Black Saturday, which I threw out recently, but um, they were very helpful as well just to kind of get to look at the disaster from different, different perspectives. Yeah. yeah. It's been 10 years since the bushfires and 
a constant hum is now itself kind of a document um, reflecting reflecting on those, and it's part of that history. I was just wondering how y you hoped that it would contribute to how that disaster was remembered and, and how we deal with future yeah. similar scenarios. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, there's been books about Black Saturday, but not that many. I think uh, Chloe Hooper's The Arsonist yeah. has been a huge addition to the kind of recording of that event. Um, I hope a constant hum shows people that recovery from dis disasters as big as um, Black Saturday takes a really long time and it being climate flared, I really, really hope that um, we tackle climate change or the climate emergency more head on. I hope that a constant hum shows two sides, both the hope and the strength of communities after bushfire, but also the more, I guess, unreported on side of, of the lingering struggles of, of disaster. I hope it really shines a light on women's stories, um, you know, stories like that of my mum being strong after bushfire that I didn't really see celebrated in the news. And I think we just have to keep the conversation I was going to say burning, which is completely <laughs> the wrong the wrong turn of phrase, but it's really important to talk about climate and weather and um, and landscape and and all of the things that we kind of take for granted, which are are under you know a lot of pressure from humans. Mm. Yeah. Um, thank you for talking to us about your book, A Constant Hum. Before we wrap up, uh, we like to ask all our guests, um, because we're booksellers, <laughs> we ask you to uh, recommend a couple of things that you've been reading recently or maybe that uh, you were reading whilst writing the book. Um, yep. <laughs> just a couple of recommendations for our listeners, if you could. Sure. Well, um, I recently read Tony Birch's The White Girl, which was mm. obviously brilliant. Great book. Um, and um, I was super lucky to read a, um, a proof copy of Josephine Rowe's um, new collection of short stories mm. here until August. And Josephine's one of my favourite writers of all, all time. And um, I would recommend anyone listening to get a copy of Takat Awake, which is, a, it's a big claim, but my favourite book ever. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Jennifer Down. I love that we're just so lucky in Melbourne. Um, also Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I love her work and mm. I'm constantly just like listening to interviews with her, waiting for her next book. Mm. Um, I love Warsaw and Shire and um, Deborah Levy. Mm -hmm. I could just go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I think... I think you can also ask booksellers. They often know what's what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I would personally like to recommend A Constant Hum by Alice Bishop. Alice, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, David. Thanks. You've been listening to Alice Bishop discuss her new book, A Constant Hum, which is available from all reading stores. You can stream previous episodes of the Readings Podcast on our website, readings.com.au, where you'll also find news, reviews and interviews and information on our current book, music and DVD releases. You can even sign up for our newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.